This week on Go Chuck Yourself, we're talking about Chuck Season 4, Episode 16, Chuck versus the Masquerade, where Chuck squares off against a character named Boris Kaminsky. Boris Kaminsky? Just like the Kaminsky Method, everyone's favorite show. Everyone's always talking about it. Michael Douglas as Sandy Kaminsky, Alan Arkin as Norman Newlander, Nancy Travis as Lisa. Uh, all my best friends. I'm just, I love the Kaminsky Method. Emmy nominated, Oscar nominated. I don't even know. It's great. This is Go Kaminsky Method yourself now, everyone. Hello. Uh, we are talking about the Kaminsky Method, the acclaimed uh, television show, I guess. I think it's, I think it's on Netflix. Isn't it Chuck Lorre, right? Is that who you say his Chuck name, Lurie? or is it just Chuck That's Lorre? Chuck, Chuck, I'm thinking of Chuck, Chuck Lorre? He's the game show host. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah? The Kaminsky uh, Method. Will there be a season three of the Kaminsky Method? Netflix is calling a wrap. Hmm. Who can say? Who can say? But what we can say is uh, information about a particular episode of the television show Chuck. That episode is Chuck versus the Masquerade. Hello, my name is Chris Gillespie, welcoming you here to Go Chuck Yourself. Oh, I should have I should have been wearing a mask. I'm sorry. I really dropped the ball on this one. I'm Aaron Arata, and I just, I really wish I was wearing like a mask or like even a wig. I think that would have been a good idea. I just didn't have a wig that looked like Sarah's wig in this episode. Like the Vivian's actual hair. Yes. Was, well, uh, I I have to assume that Vivian is also wearing a wig. Do you think she's also wearing a wig, or do you think that they just got a wig that looked like her hair? It seems like it was. It looks very much like her hair. It looks like real hair, right? Well, I mean, some wigs are really good. In it, fact, no, I'm just kidding. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I've been bald this whole time. That would, that would be so sad. Why would Why would you want to do that? <sighs> um. So I don't have a transition into this sometimes i like to it ends up working out that there's the the title of the episode ends up reflecting mm-hmm. what something i would like to bring up at the beginning mm-hmm. does not happen this time uh, that's fine as you can imagine sometimes the the word masquerade doesn't really lend itself to i mean i guess there's a lot of themes that are involved in masquerade there's deception there's disguises there's you could talk about uh, Phantom of the opera you could talk right. about jim carrey's the mask right but I don't want to talk about those things. What I do want to talk about is cheeseburgers. Now, you might be asking me, well, Chris, why do you want to talk about cheeseburgers? We don't ever really... Chris, why do you want to talk about cheeseburgers? <laughs> well, Aaron, I'll tell you, there's something that we need to discuss that I think is of the utmost importance to go chuck yourself. I th- okay. It might even be something that challenges the, I don't want to say national security, but the security of go chuck yourself itself uh, there's this this entity out there, and so I'm going to share my screen just so Aaron, you okay. can see what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, let me just get this pulled up. I don't know how I came across this. Uh, some somehow on the internet, I guess I found this while I was doing go chuck yourself work as I as I do. Uh, so <laughs> it's so good. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to share my screen with Aaron, and then we will discuss it for you, the listener at home. Okay. I'm a little bit scared, but a little bit excited. Do you have any idea what this could be? No. No idea at all? No ideas. Okay. 
So what? <laughs> there is a uh, burger restaurant. There's a chain of burger restaurants in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. The name of the restaurant <laughs> is Holy Chuck. They do these really elaborate uh, cheeseburgers and things. So, oh my god! <laughs> well, the one that we're particularly oh, you have no idea, Aaron. The one that we're particularly talking about today is the Go Shuck Yourself Challenge. <laughs> that is a special kind of uh, burger that you have to eat at Holy Chuck. Um, and I guess I'll just read the uh, the copy okay, here yes, that's please. on the website. So tell me more about this. <laughs> so this is the Go Chuck Yourself Challenge. We dare you to finish the Go Chuck Yourself Burger and any specialty milkshake of your choice in six minutes or less. And we will put your picture on our Holy Chuck Wall of Fame, give you an exclusive content t- uh, contest T-shirt, plus huge bragging rights. If you can beat the best time, we will even pay for your meal. If you lose, your picture will go on our wall of shame because you just chucked yourself. Oh. Uh, and then there's a disclaimer that says the challenge cannot be attempted between the hours of 11 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. on Monday to Friday. So um, I guess they don't so want you-, you doing this during the lunch rush. Yeah, don't do not do it then. But oh, my God, we have a challenge. But are you curious to see what this burger looks like, Aaron? Yeah, show it to me. Okay. Oh. I was well so there's a there's a picture of a burger at the top of this page and I thought it was just going to be that burger but this this is quite a burger. Uh correct there's a the header image was just a ba- a normal bacon cheeseburger yeah. it seemed maybe mm-hmm. a double bacon cheeseburger. The go chuck yourself burger is a I it looks like there's six patties here. Yeah, it, let's count. Okay. So it looks like there's one, two, three, four, there's at least four pieces of bread. And then there seems to be one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, at least six patties. Maybe even seven. Maybe seven. There's. It's kind of like if you took two triple cheeseburgers and put them on top of each other. Yes. And then there's like lettuce, tomato. It looks like there's some bacon on it. Maybe some. Maybe some like caramelized. So certainly onions. a lot of cheese. Lots of cheese. You have to eat that <laughs> in six, six minutes. minutes and also drink a milkshake. I think the milkshake would be well. Of course. Um, Long-time listeners do not know this because I don't think I've ever said it, but I do not eat beef, so this would be a problem for me. But I do think the milkshake would be even more of a problem. I, those are you just you sip them. You don't you don't gobble them down. Um, long-time listeners, I don't know if they know this. I also don't eat beef, so this oh, would right, be a little right, tricky right. for so me. So we can't. It would be really cool if we could like drive to Toronto and do this challenge, but I think we're gonna be presented with issues unless they have like a veggie burger version. Um, I'm more concerned about we're both lactose intolerant, so that that also poses a problem. I'm somewhat (laughs) gluten intolerant, so there's that issue. Um, I don't know if I was, I'm thinking if I was like drunk enough, you know what I mean? I feel like I could be persuaded to, uh, try this. Do you think you would win or do you think you could just try? I don't think it's possible. I don't think my stomach is physically large (laughs) enough to be able to take in all of this cheeseburger and also a milkshake. I always like to think about this if, like, I could participate in an eating contest. And I really, like, looking at this, I just don't think I could do it. I think if it was the one at the top of the page and a milkshake, I could probably do that in, like, I could do that in, like, three minutes. I could I could get that done. Yeah. But this one, it just, like, it wouldn't be good anymore by the end. Do they, you think they let you do, like, a tag team on it? Probably not. Like, we could I mean, not for the contest, and... but they might let you, like, order it and... It. So we could like split this if we put our beef feelings aside and then ate this, but we probably wouldn't get on the wall. I don't know. I don't think we would get on the wall. 
but it's the holy chuck wall of fame i feel like we need to as the hosts we of go chuck really, yourself we need to be on I, that wall I, I feel like we should reach out to them i guess and like tell I, them about our story <laughs> and they'll be like okay <laughs> i mean they're they're on uber eats so they they deliver we would just have to get close enough to toronto canada for yeah. them to be able to uh okay we can we can work on that do you want to um describe their logo for our listeners uh, their logo, I guess, actually is kind of disturbing now that I'm looking at it. It's a, a it's a cow angel, I guess. I'm saying that because the cow has a halo, but the cow is serving its own head on a silver platter with a halo above it. And the head of the cow has been replaced with a cheeseburger. It's Holy Chuck. I want to know about, like, the story of the name Holy Chuck, because, like, is Chuck a type of beef? Is that, am I... Um, oh, look, they have a thing that says our story. I want to know if it's founded by someone named Chuck. I know this makes for great audio content to people reading a oh, website. Wow. Uh, what do you what do you Boy, think? Aaron? What? What? Holy Chuck founder Johnny Prisoulis. So I don't know where Chuck comes from, but you can get them to cater your bar mitzvah. So that's exciting. Oh, that's good. Good to know. They do have a veggie burger, so maybe okay. that's something that we could look into. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like this is a very critically acclaimed burger restaurant. They've yeah. been named the best burger in Toronto. I'm really... Um, so walk me through you finding this. You were just Googling Go Check Yourself? Yeah, I either Googled Go Check Yourself or I looked up I looked it up on Twitter or something. Uh -huh. I'm not positive. I think I just Googled it and then it came up. Um, so I was immediately hooked and uh, am... I'm honored to be sharing the name of our podcast with a uh, massive two foot tall bird <laughs> cheeseburger. Yeah, we can never like introduce a challenge. At least it can't be called the go check yourself challenge because then we might like steal some attention from them. No, but if I ever go to Toronto, I am definitely going to holy chuck and Absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing that. So that was my big surprise for for the day. Thank you for sharing that to me. You're uh welcome. Um, I will post it on Twitter as well, so our fans or listeners—I don't want to say we have fans, but our listeners can see the, uh, yes. the giant cheeseburger as well. And yeah, and let us know if you think you could eat that cheeseburger. Let us know if you have eaten it. Maybe <laughs> some people have found Go Chuck Yourself because they were like searching for the Wall of Fame, and then they just like ended up on our podcast, and they were like, "Well, might as well." We don't know. <laughs> this seems like it'd be healthier for me to listen to we the podcast. We have gotten new listeners in Canada. It's true. We are the low cholesterol option if for people <laughs> looking for go check yourself. Zero calories. So we're not zero calories. It it uh it is very good for your health to listen, at least in a um like maybe not mental health, but in a physical health. Uh a lot of people say they work out while listening to us, so that's fun. Really? Who says that? I don't know. I feel like one person one time said that they run while listening to us. That seems like too torturous activities but more, you know. more like they run away from their headphones <laughs> <laughs> okay well why don't we talk about what we're here to talk about which is chuck versus the masquerade so we are not headed to toronto ourselves but the show chuck is headed to samara russia ah. where a mysterious man is sitting in a cab behind someone named yurik who says that he does not have Volkov's key, and then he's brutally shot. Did it, like, this was, like, the the bad guy puts a gun to Yurik's head and then just, like, shoots him, and blood spatters onto the windshield of the car. Like, this was, did you say that, did you think this was pretty violent for Chuck? 
I would say it's a, it stood out to me as a little bit violent for Chuck. It was not. It stood out mostly to me as something that wasn't. It would have been a lot more violent because I was like, he basically like shoots the guy point blank in the back yeah. of the head. Like the guy's mm-hmm. head would have exploded probably, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that there's just a little bit of blood that gets on the windshield is actually pretty pretty good, all things considered. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're they're really like up in the violence in this episode they they do they make this guy seem like he's very scary and then yes. uh whether or not he is actually that scary i guess we'll we'll find out so i'm I'm just gonna drop it here this this is the aforementioned boris kaminsky just to eliminate any confusion i'm just gonna be referring to him as boris so we cut to the same guy boris in somewhere in italy i didn't write down the specific town name but he is passionately kissing a woman named antonia she pulls out a gun and points it at him and says that she does not have the key and will not be able to give it to him. She pulls the trigger and nothing happens. Boris holds out his hand and he's holding the bullets. Then he shoots her with his own gun. We cut from there to Bremen, Germany, where a man named Christoph also says that he doesn't have the key, but he knows who does. So Boris is... uh excited about that i guess where in the world is boris kaminsky (laughs) that's pretty good so we cut immediately to chuck which is a little bit misleading because chuck is not the one with the key usually when they do these kinds of cuts it's because like chuck is like holding up the key right then and like look what i found on the street but that's not really what's happening (laughs) we just happen to be cutting to chuck I wish we'd go an episode of Chuck without Chuck stopping everything to show people what he found on the street. I feel like they <laughs> just—they've really driven that into the ground. As yeah, it's as, honestly getting a little tiring. It's very tiring seasons. of Chuck going and he like finds this like old bottle cap or finds a like a someone's old library like card. He's basically like a pro. He's just like bringing people like little objects. Right, and they constantly have to say like, "Chuck, we don't care. Like, please stop <laughs> picking up all that stuff." And it's like, "Well, is he trying to pick up litter? Like, who is he trying to present this stuff to?" It's just Actually, very distracting. Actually, have you uh, have you seen the new uh, Pixar film Soul? Uh, I have not seen the new Pixar film Soul. Now streaming on Disney Plus. It is now streaming on Disney Plus. Soul from Pixar. Thanks for advertising with us, Pixar. There is actually a um, picking objects off of the street and it being like a sweet moment. So if you're tired of it in Chuck, you can watch it in Seoul and maybe it won't be as tired. If you're tired of something that doesn't happen in Chuck, (laughs) then you're in luck because once again, it does not happen in Chuck. Okay, so going back to what actually is happening on Chuck, you know what day it is, Chris? It's Valentine's Day. I was thinking about like I wanted to start singing like a like a carol, like a Valentine's Day carol, and I don't really think there are any. Is that is that a market we should tap into? I think there is one. I think it's just let's get it on. All right, that was that was a pretty good one. Um Chuck and Morgan both have girlfriends for Valentine's Day, which they're acting like is a big deal, but I feel like this has happened before. I feel like this has happened multiple times. I feel like they pretty often have girlfriends on Valentine's Day from the sample size that I have seen. But this year, they're going all out. They're laying rose petals on the ground. Chuck seems to be making some sort of uh, souffles. And Morgan uh, reveals that he has bought eight bearskin rugs from Big Lots. He had to buy them in bulk, which... Does Big Lots sell in bulk? Is that like a thing with them? Because I've been to Big Lots and I've never heard of that. It kind of makes it seem like Big Lots is Big Lots is like BJ's or Sam's Club yeah, or Costco because yeah. that's where you Maybe buy Big in bulk. Lots was like new at the time and they just didn't know. I don't know. I don't really know. It was a funny joke, but I had a lot of questions about it. 
So since they live together, they have a plan of how their Valentine's Day is going to go. Chuck and Sarah are going to be in the bedroom for the first half of the evening, I guess presumably having sex, while Alex and Morgan (laughs) hang out in the living room. Also, maybe having sex? I'm not really sure what the plan is, but then later in the night, they're going to swap. And Presumably to keep having sex in different locations? Well, okay. Chuck says that he and Sarah are going to be watching Love Actually, which I think is fucked, because Love Actually is a Christmas film. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. I was, that, like, that's probably the most upset I've been in all of Chuck. Like, forget that, like, scene with the strippers. Like, this was, this was it. This was the worst. <laughs> we cut from this exciting love lace tableau to Ellie and Devin, who have their own plans for Valentine's Day. They finally put little Clara to bed after not sleeping for three days, and they're ready to fuck. That's, that's just, that's, that's what they're gonna do. They're really excited about it. Devin proposes that Ellie call him daddy in the bedroom, and Ellie's not really into that. Something that I am into is his rugged look. He has kind of like a five o'clock shadow. He looks really good. Clara begins fussing, and Devin suggests that they just let her cry it out, which um, I haven't had a child, but according to television, this is a thing that you, uh, you encounter as a new parent, and I believe everything I see on TV. But unfortunately, Ellie and Devin, after a few seconds of listening to their baby daughter cry, cannot handle the stress of not giving her what she needs, so they give up on having intercourse and rush to help her. We move from there into Chuck and Sarah's bedroom, where Chuck takes off his blazer to reveal that he has had a shirt made that says Love Machine and then just has a picture of him. Um, do you want to do weigh in on this, Chris? Uh... I looked to see if this shirt was available online. Oh my god, I did too. <laughs> apparently no one on Redbubble has jumped at this opportunity to make this I love machine shirt. I cannot believe that. I am shocked that it does not I, exist. I feel like, could we like ask Molly to make it for us? Could we just like do this? I feel like we would make money. Make a love machine shirt on, on Redbubble? Yeah. I feel like we probably could. Okay. Say, I mean, we could probably, you could probably make it yourself in paint. That's true. I, I could. Maybe. The picture of Chuck that's on the shirt seems to be, I don't know if I can confirm that this is what it is, but it looked like it was almost a picture of him when he was disguised as the assassin Rafe from season three. Do you think Hold that's on, what okay. it was? Or do you know? I'm going to, um, I'm going to pull up a picture of it so I can see. Might not have been. He just seems like he's not usually wearing his normal attire in the photo. He seems to be wearing like a black um, button down shirt under a sweatshirt, and his hair is kind of slicked back. Could be Rafe. Um, it's also, we didn't say this, but it is a baseball tee yeah. with red sleeves. Right. I think it's a cool shirt. Honestly, I would wear this. I would wear the hell out of it. The Chuck Wardrobe team apparently has, like, a lot of base red-sleeved baseball shirts on hand, because I also saw an <laughs> image online that was comparing this to the uh, turkey shirt that Jeff wears in one of the Thanksgiving episodes where there's oh, yeah, just a turkey yeah, printed on it. That. He has mm-hmm. red sleeves there, too. So Chuck and Sarah are in the bedroom. Chuck is ready um, to commence their Valentine's Day festivities, but Sarah lets him know that she made him some chocolate strawberries. He's a little bit uncomfortable about sneaking into the kitchen to get them because Alex and Morgan currently have the living room. He tries to explain what having a room means, which uh, he brings up putting a sock on the door in college. Sarah is a little bit confused by this and is like, why would anyone do that? Sarah, I feel you. Eventually, though, Chuck is convinced to head out to the kitchen to get the chocolate-covered strawberries, and he encounters 
Alex and Morgan doing what I can only describe as some weird shit. Oh. They're like sitting, it looks kind of like yoga or meditation, but they're facing each other. They have face masks on and they're just kind of like making sex noises while like touching each other's hands. Apparently they're doing some sort of like soul bonding activity. Alex seems to be into it. I kind of thought it was going to be like a Morgan thing, but Alex is okay with it. Chuck's phone starts buzzing with a call from Beckman. Alex hears the buzzing and comments that her and Morgan's souls are vibrating in unison, kind of like happens in Soul on Disney Plus now. Um, they are doing they're doing something about transferring energy. Chuck drops his phone and Sarah dives in from the hallway to catch it. She they try to sneak out of the room, but in the process, Sarah gets caught on some kind of loose nail in the wall. Her, she takes off her robe and reveals the surprise that she had for Chuck under her clothes, which is that she's wearing very nice red lingerie with angel wings attached that, like, spring out. I don't know about these spring-loaded angel wings. <laughs> While all this is happening, Casey barges in, apparently having been called by Beckman and told to gather the team. He gazes upon what he must just... Does he think they're having an orgy? Like, what do you think he thinks here? <laughs> It's just like Alex and Morgan are on the floor. Alex is smearing chocolate sauce all over Morgan's face and body. Chuck and Sarah are in lingerie in the kitchen. And Casey is just like, he grunts, a typical Casey grunt. Alex and Morgan take off their masks and they're alarmed. Casey seems to want to know a little bit more about what Morgan is doing with his daughter. But eventually he accepts it and just says, come on, Chuck and Sarah, we're heading to Castle. After the credits, we get a brief look into the National Clandestine Service, or NCS, which is apparently also using Castle for some reason. They're doing something secret that seems like it's just being brushed off, but probably is going to come up again. Beckman debriefs the team about Boris Kaminsky eliminating anyone with potential access to the Hydra Key. She says that the only person left who seems to be who... Volkov was grooming for the position is someone named Vivian MacArthur, who lives at a manor in Somerset, England. She tells Chuck, Morgan, Casey, and Sarah to head to Somerset and get Vivian and bring her back to the U.S. safely. When they get to England, they find out that Vivian is hosting a party again, but her party is not really like the party that we seem to have trouble a lot with in Chuck, where she's like giving something away there's not like secrets involved she just seems to be having a party although no one there um everyone is wearing masks and no one seems to know who the mysterious vivian is chuck is a little creeped out by the masks he brings out eyes wide shut sarah says that actual orgies are nothing like this party and chuck is a little caught off guard by that <laughs> i i like that moment Meanwhile, Casey and Morgan are handling the bar. A woman comments that Casey's drink was so good that he must have been born to be a bartender. Casey's a little uh, upset by this because obviously he was born to be a spy. Morgan brings up Chuck and Sarah taking point in a lot of missions and how that might make Casey feel a little bit overshadowed or inadequate. Casey takes the opportunity to respond about how Morgan literally lives in, as he refers to it, Chara's apartment so <laughs> it's nice i i never really thought about um sarah and chuck's ship name but chara is pretty good i like that casey came up with it i've seen it before like online i didn't realize that the that casey actually had used it and dare i say coined the term unless 
I mean, he may not have actually coined the term. Someone on the internet may have coined the term before that when the show was still in production and mm-hmm. they just incorporated that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I appreciated it as well. Morgan, uh, the, the gears sort of start turning where he realizes that he is also in an awkward position, Ari Chera. So Sarah and Chuck, or Chera, as we're calling them now, break apart to mingle in the crowd and attempt to find either Boris or Vivian. Sarah, pretty, it seems like the first person she talks to just happens to be Boris. And we, like, he's wearing a mask, but we can tell it's him. She can also tell it's him because she sees a gun hidden in his pocket. Chuck finds a woman who I had to assume was Vivian, but actually just describes herself as a heart because that is the kind of mask she is wearing. She says she doesn't know who Vivian is. In fact, she's never seen her before. Chuck uh, reaches for an hors d'oeuvre and it is apparently very spicy. So he excuses himself from talking to the heart and just grabs a random glass of wine. He downs it and then finds out that it belonged to a woman sitting alone on the couch. He asks how she knows Vivian. Um, And she responds, I don't think anyone really knows her. Chuck and this woman, who is definitely not Vivian, is definitely just a mysterious woman in a mask, have a pretty pleasant conversation. But when Chuck looks away for a moment, the woman disappears. Sarah comes over to ask if he's had any luck finding Vivian, and Chuck thinks that he just found her. We cut to the woman who Chuck was talking to, who is in fact Vivian, no longer wearing her mask and doing something with an iPod. Well, she, she's like plugging it into an eye home in her stable. I don't really know exactly what she's doing here, but she is uh, hanging out with a horse called Artemis. Chuck and Sarah approach her. She doesn't know who they are, but they start to explain that they are CIA. Then Boris shows up and him and his men start shooting. So Chuck and Sarah call Casey to extract them and Vivian from the situation. Casey and Morgan head away from the bar, Morgan taking the opportunity to grab a quick shot of some sort of alcohol. Meanwhile, Chuck and Sarah are talking to Vivian. She insists that she doesn't know anything about Volkov or his key, so they ask why Volkov pays for the manor she lives in. She reveals that she's his daughter. Oh my god, he he has a daughter. That's crazy. Not only does he do kids love Volkov, they... He loves kids. I I don't know. That doesn't make any sense because uh, well, keep it in. Keep it in. She doesn't really it. seem to love him and uh, they don't really have a relationship. So, yeah, she just says that he's been like sending her off to boarding school. He's been making sure that she has every aspect of her day filled, but she hasn't seen him in years. Right. But she does explain that uh, she thought he was an oil executive. Chuck corrects her and says that he is a very bad guy and an arms dealer. Just as Boris begins really shooting at Vivian, Chuck, and Sarah in earnest, they manage to escape to a car. They run into Casey and Morgan. Sarah is hanging out of the sunroof, just kind of like gunning down, like just shooting indiscriminately into the crowd. But they manage to drive off and escape from Boris's men. How did they know that she was in the stables? A good question. Um, (laughs) And why didn't she grab her iPod before they left? Someone shot the iPod, I think. Yeah, I think someone did. And was think, that really, really painful for you? It was. I think someone needs to be arrested for crimes against an iPod. A beautiful, sweet, little, innocent iPod. That upsets you the most. The thing that upsets me the most is the Love Actually misstep, so. Chuck, as a show, has finally found how to hurt us on a deep yes. level. <laughs> Um, back in Burbank, Ellie and Devin bring Clara to the buy more because they need help with the baby or like buying something to help the baby sleep. And Big Mike brings them back to the baby aisle, which is apparently something that they have. 
Uh, Big Mike shows them a stuffed sheep that can be used to record a soothing voice or a sound to play for the baby. As Big Mike is talking about the sheep, Clara hears a song in the distance and falls asleep for the first time. Turns out that Jeff and Lester have used one of these sheep to record their cover of Rusted Roots, Send Me On My Way. (laughs) Send me on my way. Send me on my way. You know, Seth said the other day that he'd never heard that song before. And really? I was like, have you never seen Matilda or Ice Age or um I don't know, it's in everything. I think that song should just be called Send Me on the Send Me on My Way parentheses parentheses, the Ice Age song. It's yeah, so fused with Ice Age in my mind. <laughs> I just hear it that is. song and I picture the uh the mammoth and Sid the Sloth and everyone walking across the frozen tundra. Diego the tiger, um Scrat the Whatever he is. The weird little squirrel that DreamWorks yeah. or I don't think it's DreamWorks that does Ice Age, 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Um they think that everyone loves the Scrat, the squirrel, based off of how many instances he's like the the minions of Ice Age. I feel like That's it's true. Just... He was he was kind of like a proto minion. <laughs> um it's actually kind of interesting because I think if Scat, you know, the descendants of Scat over time evolved since the Ice Age to turn into minions based off of natural selection. I mean, that's fair. Okay, hold on. Apparently, in Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs, there is, I, I don't know exactly how you pronounce this, how it is different, but it has an E on the end, so it's Scrat. Probably also Scrat or maybe Scratte or Scratty, but uh, she is like a sexy Scrat and she's wearing like eyeshadow and she's in a very productive position in this picture. <laughs> so that's something that I needed to see today. Uh, oh, apparently there's deviant art of her. I'm going to be looking at that later. Just kidding. <laughs> Send me Don't look way. it up. <laughs> uh, so this song has put both Clara and Jeff to sleep. Jeff and Lester are in the home theater room. Uh, like hanging upside down on some kind of exercise equipment. Ellie and Devin realize that they need the magical Jeffster sheep if they ever want to put Clara to sleep. So uh, rather than just ask Jeff and Lester to record onto a sheep so that they can buy it, they decide that they need to steal the one Jeffster sheep. Um, so it, I guess they don't want to pay Jeff and Lester money for for that, even though they could probably with Jeffster would just do it for free. It's unclear. They seem to be worried that maybe uh, Jeff and Lester would say no. I don't know. The relationship between Jeffster and Ellie and Devin is a very complex one that we cannot necessarily get to the bottom of. (laughs) But Ellie's plan is effective, which is both a good and a bad thing. Ellie basically walks into the home theater room where Jeff and Lester are and says that she was looking for a place to breastfeed, but she'll try somewhere else since the theater is occupied. As she walks away, Jeff suggests that they go follow her. Um, So they do leaving the Jeffster sheep alone in the home theater room, allowing Devin to sneak in and grab it. Um, also, during this scene, I don't know if you noticed, but there's just like, it, it doesn't look exactly like porn, but there's just like, <laughs> on the screen behind them, there's just like stock footage of a couple passionately kissing. <laughs> and it's not as attractive as the female Scrat character. No, no, it is not. Not not nearly as erotic. No. Uh, back in Castle. Nothing is. Back in Castle, Team Bartowski discusses what to do with Vivian. She doesn't seem to know the truth about Volkov, but if that's the case, why does Boris think that she has the key? As they discuss, Morgan is in the background on a call with Alex, trying to schedule a makeup Valentine's date at her place. Casey hears this and says that he'll take care of the paperwork for Vivian if Chuck and Sarah talk to Morgan. 
Casey thinks that Morgan is feeling unwanted by Chuck and Sarah, which makes sense because that's literally what Casey told them to feel back at the masquerade party. <laughs> uh, Chuck offers to talk to Morgan, but Sarah suggests that she talk to him so that they can strengthen their own friendship outside of Chuck, which sounds like a good idea to me. Cut to Morgan and Sarah hanging out in their apartment very awkwardly. Morgan asks why they're doing this, and Sarah says that she just wanted to hang. Struggling to make conversation with Morgan, Sarah sees action figures of Han Solo and Chewbacca on the fireplace and, suge and suggests that she and Morgan play with these toys that he and Chuck <laughs> like so much. Sarah picks them up and makes Wookiee sounds, which is pretty hilarious. It was pretty uh, adorable. <laughs> um, Morgan is deeply, deeply offended. Uh, he takes them away from her and tells her that they're not toys, they're priceless collectibles. As he puts the action figures back down on the fireplace, Morgan has a realization that his Star Wars collectibles are really just toys, and then he starts to spiral. He realizes that Casey was right. Morgan is a childish third wheel, and Chuck and Sarah are basically his parents. Sarah tries <laughs> to calm him down, but Morgan realizes that he needs to grow up and move out of Chuck and Sarah's apartment. Um, I love the scene. <laughs> it was great. That was, like, it was the perfect blend of like secondhand embarrassment and like adorable uh -huh. and I, it's so funny i loved it i think it's also kind of interesting that the show is kind of entering this territory of like <laughs> not morgan's psyche or like psychological problems but the fact that it's like yeah if you were morgan and you were living with chuck and sarah like you would probably also be developing a <laughs> complex about like... <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> um in Castle, Chuck is interviewing Vivian and finds out that she doesn't have much of a relationship with Volkov. In fact, Volkov basically controls her entire life. Chuck tries to spin this and say that maybe he was trying to protect her from all of his criminal activity and that Vivian now has an opportunity to do whatever she wants now that Volkov has been arrested. Vivian admits to not knowing what she wants to do with her life. Chuck asks if he can talk to her candidly, not as a spy, but just as a person, and then proceeds to tell Vivian the entire story of Chuck versus the Intersect. <laughs> Um, which he also brought up in the last week's episode of Chuck versus the Cat Squad. He talks about Marine Demova. Yes, he does. So he's so he's just got all that. Well, I mean, there's big changes in his life. He's about to get married, so mm -hmm. it's just like he's probably just thinking about where it all began. Elsewhere in Castle, Casey is approached by the NCS agents who are ma are making the their renovations to Castle. One of the agents asks Casey if he feels like his skills are being wasted on his current assignment. Casey asks what the NCS is doing there, and the agent introduces herself as Agent Jane Bentley. Bentley knows all about Casey's backstory and sees his true potential. Bentley is basically having the same conversation with Casey that Casey had with Morgan earlier in the episode. She thinks that he's not needed by Chuck and Sarah anymore, and she wants him to join the new team she's putting together. Casey asks to learn more, and Bentley says that she'll be in touch and then disappears behind a massive door inside Castle that says Restricted. She's also played by um, the same actress that plays Mayor McCoy slash Josie's mom in the show Riverdale. So something that you might think watching Riverdale is perhaps like, what are Mrs. McCoy's uh, qualifications for becoming the mayor of this uh, small uh -huh. eastern town? And um, it is that she was once the director of the NCS. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. We cut back to Chuck and Vivian. I assume that Chuck has just finished recapping everything that's happened between season one, episode one, and this <laughs> yep. current episode. Vivian seems to appreciate the life advice slash television synopsis. Chuck tells her that they're going to be sending her to a CIA safe house where Boris can't get her. Vivian counters this by suggesting that they use her as bait to lure Boris out of hiding. 
Vivian wants to have an active role in her life, not just do what the CIA tells her to do. She asks Chuck if he will help her do that, and he says that he will. Back at Ellie and Devin's, Mr. and Mrs. Woodcomb, or as I refer to them now, Mommy and Daddy, are laying in bed. <laughs> oh, no. Listening to the Jeffster rendition of Send Me On My Way for the hundredth time while Clara sleeps soundly. Uh, Mommy and Daddy are losing their minds listening to the song and not sleeping, so Daddy proposes turning off the sheep. Mommy says that it can't hurt to try, so Daddy turns off the sheep. Mommy and Daddy shut their eyes for two seconds, and then Clara starts to cry. Mommy starts to lose it, but Daddy reminds... Can you stop this, please? <laughs> Mommy starts to lose it, but Daddy reminds her that it could be worse. They are doctors, after all. They've gone long stretches without sleep before, and they can do it again. Mommy reluctantly agrees with him, and they turn the musical sheep back on. Across the courtyard at Chuck, Morgan, and Sarah's apartment, Chuck storms in to see Morgan packing up all of his belongings. Chuck said he was packing up for their mission in England, but hurried over as soon as Sarah said that Morgan was moving out. Chuck apologizes profusely for entering the living room slash kitchen area on Valentine's Day during Morgan's time slot, but Morgan assures him that he's not moving because of that. Morgan says that it's been a long time coming and asks if Chuck even realizes that he and Sarah are going to be married within a few months. Morgan insists that they need their own place and he needs his own place to nurture his relationship with Alex. Chuck is either in denial or doesn't understand where Morgan is coming from because he says that they are adults and the three of them have so much fun together in their apartment. Morgan has a sober-eyed view of this and says that people grow and change and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Chuck asks where Morgan will go and Morgan hypes up hitting the open road and embracing the unknown, to which Chuck says, so you're going to your mom's? And Morgan says, directly there. The reality of this starts to sink in for Chuck and he gets sad, but Morgan tells him that it will be easy to divide their belongings, which have apparently become deeply intermingled in the brief year or two since they've lived together. Yeah. Like Morgan is acting like they're married and have all these shared belongings, which I guess maybe they do and that's okay. Um, but I mean, Chuck was living there before Morgan did. That was only like, when did they move in together? At the end of season one or? The end of I think even season two. Was it season two? I think so. I don't think they've been together for very long. Maybe a year? I don't know. Stuff can get mingled in that time. It's and true. They've, they've been best friends for so long, like, some of their stuff might have been mingled already. I don't know. Yeah. The only thing that they really need to figure out is what to do with the Han Solo and Chewbacca action figures. Since they each paid 50% for them, Morgan suggests that they each keep one, but Chuck won't hear it. Neither of them is ready to make a decision about it right away, so they agree to keep one, uh, to each keep one with them for the night. Chuck getting Han Solo and Morgan getting Chewbacca. After a brief sad moment, Chuck and Morgan part ways, only to, the, to then slide down the wall the exact same way on either side while staring longingly at their Star Wars collectibles. I thought that was sweet. Sarah's apparently been here this entire time. If, <laughs> if you didn't know that, that's okay, because in the shot of Chuck in his bedroom, Sarah was not there, uh, but she was there, I guess. <laughs> I guess she was there. She's been packing this entire time. Uh, she asked Chuck, uh, who is once again sitting on the floor staring at a Han Solo action figure longingly, <laughs> if everything is okay. Chuck tries to play it cool, but he's clearly upset. Sarah apologizes about Morgan, but Chuck doesn't want to talk about it. Later that night in Castle, Team Bartowski is interviewing Vivian about when during the day she's most vulnerable. I think the answer is pretty obvious here. It should be when she's using the bathroom. <laughs> but no, apparently it's when she goes for long, unaccompanied horse rides in the woods beside behind her mansion. Anyhow, Vivian walks them through a typical day for her. And then we cut to Sarah dresses Vivian back at Vivian's manor. Vivian gives Sarah her locket to complete the look. Vivian is concerned, but Chuck and Sarah assure her that Sarah is a trained professional and will have Casey looking out after her the entire time. 
Sarah gets on Vivian's horse, who I guess his name is Artemis, and rides off into the woods as Vivian and Chuck watch on. Did you think that Vivian should have a Sarah wig if this if this was going to be pulled off? Um, no, I guess I, I wasn't really thinking that. Were you thinking that? I was thinking that, yeah. Well, I was just like, I don't think I don't think their intention is like to make a full swap. Right. Like, I don't think that they think that Boris is going to see the real Vivian. But I just felt like it would it would have been fair. They were not going for the full Freaky Friday. This, that's not what they were trying to pull. They were just trying I mean, to pull that's a... Fair. Uh, okay, that's fine. I just felt like it would have been a nice touch. Uh, in the woods, Sarah is demonstrating some pretty proficient horse riding skills that we've never seen her use before. I don't think... Has there ever been a horse in Chuck? I don't think so. I don't think so. Just a tiger. But I wasn't necessarily surprised. I feel like Sarah would have ridden horses before. Right. Everything seems to be pretty calm, but then we see Boris hiding behind a tree. He says into a walkie-talkie, It's time. So as some of Boris's men walk out with their guns, there's an absolutely beautiful shot of Sarah riding through the trees with sunlight streaming in. I thought that was just really nice. There's like a little bit of British fog. Very pretty. Sarah calls Casey to say that she thinks something's wrong and he's headed her way when Boris presses some kind of sound device that makes her horse freak out. The horse rears, Sarah falls off, hits her head and passes out. Artemis arrives back at the stable, and Chuck is alarmed to see Sarah isn't riding him anymore. His saddle is empty. He calls Casey to ask what's going on, but before he gets an answer, Vivian rushes out in a riding helmet and says she's not letting anyone die for her. She mounts Artemis and pulls Chuck up with her, and they head for the woods. Meanwhile, Boris's men discover that the woman they knocked off her horse isn't actually Vivian. He's about to kill Sarah when he, too, is brutally shot by Casey. Sarah wakes up a little bit and tells Casey to leave her behind because it's too much of a risk for him to stay, but he refuses. As Chuck and Vivian gallop through the woods, Boris's men begin following them, but Vivian is an even greater rider than Sarah, and she knows how to hold her own. Chuck, a little less so, but he manages to hang on. Unfortunately for them, they're carrying a little too much weight, so Chuck flashes on gymnastics and grabs onto a tree branch, swinging off the horse and knocking their pursuers to the ground with his legs. Meanwhile... Casey, or as I like to call him, American Sniper, is taking out all the bad guys. Chuck makes it to Casey and Sarah, but Vivian hasn't made it there. She radios Chuck to say she's made it to the stables, and he says they're on their way. But guess who's already at the stables? It's Boris. He demands the key from Vivian, but she insists she doesn't have it. She says her father never gave her any key. Boris insists that he did, perhaps a token of his affection when Vivian was young, but she isn't convinced. She insists her father didn't want her involved in his life, but Boris runs down all the activities Volkov pushed her towards. Martial arts, being fluent in five languages, skeet shooting, etc. He says Volkov must have been wrong about her and calls her a weak girl, which is a big mistake. As he's threatening to shoot her, she slaps Artemis and makes him rear again, then grabs her shotgun and just wrecks Boris in the chest. He's riddled with bullet holes even though she only shot him once, so that's how you know she's good. Back in the manor, Chuck tells Vivian that without someone to be the head of it, Volkov's empire is going to crumble. Sarah gives Vivian her necklace back, and we see a little shot that it has Love Dad written on the back. Vivian tells Chuck she's going to try to figure out what to do with the rest of her life, and there's kind of a sinister little musical cue. But Chuck returns to Burbank. I don't know how he gets there so fast, because, like, flying to England is, like, there's a pretty definite amount of time that it takes you to do that, but he just seems to, like, stroll in as if he's just taking a cab ride across town. But, <laughs> sure. 
if I if we were to be upset about all of the traveling <laughs> and the amount of time that Chuck, Sarah, and Casey and Morgan must like spend in the air and how we'd never see them on airplanes ever. I mean, that's fair. Yep. There's so much of the show that we <laughs> it, like the the traveling that takes place is uh, it, it seems that there must be some kind of like light speed travel that exists yeah. in the Chuck universe because they travel very quickly and very casually, may I add. And maybe yeah. that's just because they're seasoned travelers. But. Uh, yeah. So Chuck and Morgan have a heart to heart. Morgan says that he needs to finally grow up. Chuck asks what Morgan did with Han and Chewie. Did he sell them? Is he going to keep them for himself? Morgan says it didn't feel right to separate them. So he decided to keep them in the family. And then we cut to little Clara asleep with Han and Chewie above her. I thought it was so sweet. It It made me cry. It made you cry? It made me tear up a little bit. I thought that was a really nice moment. Oh. This was, I just really liked the Chuck and Morgan friend stuff. I think this is a thing, I mean, I don't I don't know. I think this is a, a feeling I can relate to having experienced with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's, like, a point where you're really close, but you also have to kind of, like, move into your own life. So I just thought this was, like, a really sweet moment. And I like that, I don't know, I like, I like babies getting really expensive Star Wars collectible toys. That's something that just gets me every time. <laughs> You know, that old trope. <laughs> I know. It's like, I the tropes that Chuck uses the most in the show is Chuck finding garbage on the street that he brings, yeah. shows to people like it's newsworthy, yeah. mm-hmm. and then also babies receiving expensive Star Wars collectibles. So speaking of baby Clara, she has been moved into the nursery officially. Ellie says that after three months, it's time to put her in there, and she seems to be sleeping peacefully. With her, her Star Wars collectibles and um, the Jeffster sheep. Ellie and Devin say that they're going to do something that they've been waiting for since Clara was born. Ellie says that she's got their outfits all laid out. We cut to them in their bedroom, in pajamas, going to sleep. And it's nice. It's a nice moment for them. Back in Castle, Jane offers Casey a job with the NCS. He says that he isn't comfortable leaving Burbank since his friends and daughter are there but she tells him the mission is right there in fact it's literally right there in this little tube they've been building in castle she opens the door to the restricted zone and he sees a door in there that's marked zone six he seems to consider going in but we cut before we find out what he does we end with vivian walking into volkoff industries it's sealed off with crime scene tape but she apparently just can stroll right in it doesn't really look that worse for wear. Like, some of the stuff is gone, but there are still roses just on the desk, and they look, like, pretty decent. She finds a statue of a horse with a little seal on it with the letter V. She turns over her locket and realizes that it would fit perfectly into that seal. She slides it in, and the horse turns around and causes one of the d- walls to open, revealing, we don't know what. The episode ends. But it's something, and it seems like she's gonna do something bad. <laughs> Was that the same horse statue that Volkov used to break up the eyeball? The I don't know. I like. I thought it would be really cool if it was, but I didn't care to go back and check. Oh, I feel like let's it just say be. it was. Sure, maybe. But then if it so then if it was something a statue that you could pick up, then how is it wired so that you can open a door with it? You know what maybe I mean? Maybe it's Bluetooth. <laughs> Bluetooth horse statue. It's Volkov. True. He, he makes stuff. That's true. Um. I wanted to ask you, and you don't have to actually tell me or not, but I'm just curious. Like, I, the stuff with Casey and the NCS, I did not remember at all. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Do you, did you remember that? Do you know where this is going, or are you also in the dark? Cause I totally have no idea. 
Um, I don't remember where it goes. I remembered like the the hallway, the mysterious hallway. Okay. And I kind of remember Casey being up to some stuff, but I don't really remember where it goes. Okay. I have like an idea, but I I I don't think I'm right. But this made okay. me think about uh for the the one listener who will understand this reference. This is kind of like, you know, when you're playing XCOM and you're like building your base and you're like building the you're expanding your your base underground and there's the construction that's happening in the base that's already like and then you have to you build the new things. That's that's kind of what this was like. One listener, thank you for tuning in just for me and my video game references that Aaron doesn't understand. It's exactly like that, Chris. Yes. I think well, okay, so Casey is gonna have to hook up with Carrie Ann Moss at some point. Like I know that happens at some time soon. So Oh, I forgot about that. So maybe it's somehow related to that. That Carrie Ann Moss is just at the is in the restricted. She's section six. Yeah, it's or whatever. just that's what that's what the mission is. She's just like sitting behind the door and she's like, Hello, Colonel Casey. They just wanted to get him on like a dating show. Yeah. Oh. Well, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, so speaking of dating shows, why don't we play Chuck Mary Kill? Da 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 yeah, I'm just Do not uh, acknowledge Drew. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> not my host. <laughs> so for my Mary, I would like to pick um the Sarah playing with the Han and Chewie toys. <laughs> I thought that was so adorable, so funny, and again, just like I was I was cringing for her. I felt bad, like, because it was like an awkward moment, but I also like it was so cute and she was just so endearing and so like trying really hard. It was really cute. It was a good moment for her. I think it's the funniest part about it is that like that's the insight that we get into how Sarah views Morgan. Like she thinks she <laughs> like she literally thinks that she's talking to a child. Yeah. Uh, which was just the funniest part and yeah. like that she has just so disconnected from the culture that Chuck and Morgan are in. It was just so, yeah. so funny. Yeah. Um, my Mary was, I want to marry the scene between Chuck and Morgan, or I guess the scenes kind of what mm-hmm. you were just alluding to. Mm-hmm. I thought they were really well done, both from like a writing perspective and an acting standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was kind of spurred by like these outside, outside forces, like Casey was really hammering Morgan about this. Mm-hmm. I think that it is, um, like kind of what you were saying, like a really organic and relatable conflict for the characters to have. Yeah. It really was a kind of a, a telling window into the the growth that they've had over the course of the show, because mm-hmm. they even like look at a picture of them from the pilot in it. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, wow, they have really aged and changed a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't think the scene really probably resonated with me when I was wa- first watching this <laughs> as a teenager when it was airing. But maybe like you were saying, now that we are a bit older um, this is kind of a relatable theme that we have in our day-to-day lives of yeah. um, navigating these relationships with people that maybe you've known for a long time. Um, I think we probably could have, like, I thought it was a little disturbing, like, Chuck's reaction to the whole thing. Like, he seems mm-hmm. to have some kind of, like, they're codependent, he and Morgan, mm-hmm. and he seems to have some kind of, like, psychological need to have Morgan nearby to the point of mm-hmm. it being, like, detrimental to Morgan. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought it was just kind of interesting because clearly Chuck has some kind of like fear of change or fear of yeah. losing his youth, fear of growing up. And I appreciate yeah. that Morgan's 
actually the mature and level-headed one in this case. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it made sense that Morgan was moving out immediately. Like, I thought yeah. if like, he was going to say, like, I'm going to move out soon. But instead, yeah. he's like, I need to move out right away. I thought yeah. it was kind of weird, but... Um, and, like, going back to his mom's house where he might feel like more of a child. So... Right. But I think it was cool that this episode kind of gave, because I feel like sometimes the action spy plot lines take up so much air mm. that there's not a lot of other times for the non-spy plots to breathe. And I feel like this mm-hmm. one gave this enough like time to really, really make it part of the episode in a way that I appreciated. I agree. So for my kill, um, I would preface this by saying that I really appreciate that Ellie is able to use Jeff and Lester's grossness to her own advantage. Mm-hmm. But the breastfeeding scene of, like, her, like, that being her plan, that even being necessary, was just, like, a little, t- a, just, like, a little bit past the level of grossness that I like to see. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't, I don't know if I would get rid of that entire scene or if I would just, like, get rid of that specific element of her plan, but didn't, didn't love it, so I'll get rid of that. Yeah, Jeff and Lester aren't in this episode at all, except for the one scene where they're, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, that's horrifically right. Horrifically gross. Jeff and Lester are horrifically gross. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. And then we move on and it's like. It was kind of nice for them to, like, sneak in a Jeffster so we didn't have to see a full performance, but, like, they could still, like, say, yeah, Jeffster was in this episode. It's just kind of a missed opportunity because it's like, like we said, that they, Ellie and Devin have this weird complex relationship with Jeffster as Jeffster yeah. is, like, in this weird kind of, like, always around in these big moments yeah. in their life that it's too bad that they couldn't like make a a truce with Jeffster or kind of like use this to their advantage and say like yeah. hey can you record a song and yeah like that could have been a really sweet moment they don't seem very interested in making sweet moments with Jeff and Lester but I could imagine like them like getting actually into it and like making something like liking the little baby like I don't know yeah I think a missed opportunity there and yeah the uh that line definitely made me cringe yep so for my kill, I was keeping my 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 lips closed. I was biting okay. my tongue so hard to the point of uh of bleeding. I really? I like, oh my god, your mouth is bleeding so much. <laughs> Are you okay? I need to go to the hospital. Um, <laughs> I I would kill Morgan giving Han and Chewbacca to Clara. What? So hear me out. Okay. <laughs> this I stand by this for multiple reasons. All right. And I'm surprised that you didn't share this thought with me because I okay. thought that well, you. Well, tell me, maybe you could convince me. Okay. So from just like a, a logic standpoint, I thought this was a horrific idea. Devin and Ellie, think about this. Devin and Ellie put these massive hard plastic figurines immediately above their baby's crib. Like immediately above. Not only is that bad enough, because, like, what if someone slams a door hard and, like, one of them falls and, God forbid, the, the hard plastic Chewbacca falls on the baby? Or, like, okay. a, mm-hmm. Han Solo drops his blaster and she chokes on the blaster? Uh-huh. Well, that, that could be bad. Oh, oh, that's right. This show takes place in Los Angeles where it, there's earthquakes and occasional, occasional, you know, like, trembles or tremors uh-huh. or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So it's very plausible that an earthquake or a tremor could happen that would knock Chewbacca and Han Solo onto the baby. Okay, that's that that sucks, but I don't think that's you haven't convinced me yet because that's not Morgan's fault in giving them to her. That's just a placement issue. They could easily move them somewhere else. <sighs> okay, fine. I guess we'll move okay. on mm-hmm. then. Yes. I think that like, what's the baby gonna do with these Star Wars figures? Like, maybe maybe someday she'll grow up to appreciate them, but maybe she won't. Maybe she'll be afraid of them 
Like maybe she's going to be think Chewbacca is scary. Like when she's little, or maybe like she doesn't really know what to do with him. It kind of seems like Morgan's reckoning with his collectibles didn't really go that far because he still views them as collectibles. It's not like he gave them to Ellie and Devin and said, these are for Clara to play with when she's a little bit older. He basically thrust the responsibility and ownership of the collectibles onto this baby from his shelf to her shelf. Therefore, it was a, a disappointing end to Chuck and Morgan's growth plot line because it seems that he's not really viewing things differently. And I, I read online that someone thought this was a reference to Toy Story 3, which I was like, that's ridiculous. Toy Story 3 came out way after this episode. And that is not, <laughs> no, it's not true. Toy Story 3 came out in like almost a year before this episode aired. Yeah. So it's totally plausible that that inspired this, but. So you have not convinced me. I'll tell you why I think it's sweet. I understand what you're saying. I thought you were going to argue that like with the money that you could get from selling them, he could have like gotten something actually nice for Clara. That's which... a, Oh my God, that's even a better argument than what I had. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like that's fine. But I just think like, I don't know. It's It's nice like symbolism. It's nice that it's like cementing Morgan's relationship in Chuck's family, like, I don't really think of it as, like, I don't know, babies get given stuff. It's not that weird. Like, I, everybody says my Pooh Bear is scary, but, like, I had it since I was a baby, so I don't think that Clara is gonna think that this thing she's been seeing for her whole life is scary. Um, I guess it's a little bit pushing, like, a love of Star Wars onto Ellie and Devin, which they don't really seem to have. Uh -huh. But I just thought it was, like, a sweet moment, like, I don't know. I think I was just taken up with the vibe of the show. I think if I think about it in my own life, like, I don't really want, like, my baby's uncle's childhood toy to be, like, a whole thing. But... Yeah, kind of weird when you think of it like that, right? <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, I thought it was nice. And I have to assume it's just a, like, practicality of shooting that scene of just, like, it makes more sense for it to be, like, above the crib. Like, you probably wouldn't actually put that there in real life. They're doctors. They're that's, doctors. I mean, that's true. But they're also exhausted. That's what I... Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just because they're so exhausted. They thought yeah, this was okay. a good idea. Sure. Um, I personally, I thought the 50-50 split idea made perfect sense. I don't know if that would have been a little too obvious for Morgan to get Chewbacca and Chuck to get Han Solo. That made sense in my mind. That's the route I would have gone. But that's just me. Something else that's just me is my opinion... Uh, that I, I share during the scooter scale. It's not just me. Erin also shares her opinion. But we will now be rating this episode on a scale of zero to five corn dogs. Erin, how many corn dogs would you like to give Chuck versus the Masquerade? So I'm going to give this episode four corn dogs. Mm -hmm. I generally enjoyed it, but I think my favorite part, we've said enough about it at this point, but I thought all of the adulthood stuff was very well done. I thought it was very relatable, and I thought it was a very... Um, We've we've talked about the issues with like ending a season effectively and then having 11 more episodes and sometimes Chuck is successful in introducing new plots and conflicts and sometimes it is not but I thought this was definitely one of the successful ones. I think that it makes sense from a writing standpoint to want Chuck and Sarah to have their own place. It also makes sense from like a personal standpoint that I believe that like Chuck and Sarah would want their own space and Morgan would want his own space, especially with Alex. Um, I'm not sure, like, what they're gonna, like, this was a very convenient setup in that they, like, only needed, like, two apartment sets, but, um, 
We'll see. Maybe Morgan ends up moving into another empty apartment in this complex. Like, I don't really remember where he goes. <laughs> um, but I thought, like, the emotions were very resonant. And it was really nice to see, like, a conflict that wasn't really, like, it was addressing the codependency issues. And it was also not, like, Chuck and Sarah are having an issue with each other because of X. Like, it was a different relationship and it was handled in a really mature way. And I agree that having Morgan be the one to make the decision was really nice to the point where I was a little bit offended that Morgan was so willing to accept that he was the chewy and Chuck was the Han. Cause maybe, maybe Chuck's chewy, you know? Anyway, really liked this episode. Thought it had some good moments. I think like, Vivian is intriguing as a concept. I don't think she had, like, a ton of development, but she was interesting, and I'm interested to see what they do with her. I would also give this episode four out of five corndogs. Wow! I was pleasantly surprised by this episode. I think that this was kind of like a shot, the shot of adrenaline that we needed as we enter this latter half of the season. Now that the the original arc of the season is done, we kind of have uh -huh. this to kind of pick things back up. As I mentioned, mm -hmm. the Chuck Morgan plotline really resonated with me as it did with you um i thought it was interesting that casey was facing his own questions about what he's do dealing with his life i thought sarah interacting with morgan and his collectibles was funny and cute um the devin and ellie plot line was fun i think sarah lancaster and ryan mcpartland played that really well as just like mm -hmm. being exhausted yeah um vivian is is interesting enough i like what you said that she was intriguing uh I wish we didn't launch into her considering being evil right away, but I still think mm. it's interesting and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I can obviously not cannot weigh in on Vivian's arc entirely as a character because I honestly God do not remember. Yeah. So um, but yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I was kind of also surprised that it took us this long to get to a masquerade event in Chuck. You think that this would have been something that they would have covered yeah. in the first two seasons? Um, I agree. But yeah. So, Chuck versus the Masquerade. Uh, we also have the lesson of the week. Aaron, what did you learn this week? I learned that horse girls can shoot guns, too. <laughs> horse girls, they're not just for horses anymore. <laughs> what about you? This week, I learned that when life gives you masks, make masquerade. That's really clever. That's very smart. That must be. That's probably already something, right? I, th I thought it was clever. Uh, I'll put that on a shirt. We can put that on one of our red bubble shirts right after uh, <laughs> love, love machine. Love machine. When life gives you masks, makes masquerade. Do you think I can wear my love machine merch t-shirt to Taylor Swift's lover fest 2021? Uh, <laughs> no, but I think you can wear it to Taylor Swift's lover fest 2022. All right, cool. Looking forward <laughs> to it. Uh, stand by. She she didn't take her tickets back. She's you just are. No, she just said we're going to do it when it's safe. OK, so my money is still in her hand. <laughs> her very capable, trustworthy hands. Yes. I don't know. I trust her. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, so from all of us here, go check yourself. Thank you for listening. I've had a nice time. My name is Chris Gillespie, reminding you that food is sexy. My name is Erna Rado, letting you know that anything is possible. You have to say to them. <laughs> send me on my way send me on my way to toronto am i right to go check out the go chuck yourself challenge yeah if you're in toronto and you haven't done it yet um i don't i'm 
I don't know what the situation there is in terms of eating indoors and if the Go Check Yourself Challenge is allowed as a takeout opportunity, but if you can do it, or if you just want to wait until it's safe, please do it and let us know. Do you, do you think that if it is available as a takeout opportunity, do you think they send a representative to your house to make sure <laughs> that you follow through with the under six think, minutes? Well, they would have to follow social distancing guidelines, so there would just be like a masked representative in your house standing six feet from you as you eat a burger in six minutes or less. So, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I'm into Sounds it. Sounds possible. I'm down. Sounds good. Sounds like a fun Maybe Friday night Maybe they go to, to like make. a nearby park and they do it. Oh, and outside. That would make it so more, so much more dramatic to do the go That's check true. yourself yeah. challenge outside. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm hungry now. I'm going to go get something to eat. <laughs> bye bye. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.